Hello, and welcome to the Ink to Film podcast, where we read the book and then see the movie. I'm Luke. And I'm James. In this episode, we will be covering 2017's It, directed by Andy Muschietti. Now let's get to the well house. So we just saw It, 2017, directed by Andy Muschietti. How was your theater experience, Luke? I was good. I mean, uh, I went and saw it by myself, which is, this is the first movie I've seen by myself in, like, years. So that was weird. Uh, but my wife noped out. She uh, she can't do freaky clowns. So, but I was like, I got to go see this thing right away. So I went and saw it. Yeah, I was, like, all alone. But it was a good way to watch a horror movie, I guess. How, How was you? the audience? Because you went opening night to see it. How was that? So there was an epi- there was um, a showing before mine, so it wasn't the earliest showing, um, but it was a good turnout. I would say that it was like 70% full for a Thursday night at 10 o'clock for a two and a half hour movie. So cool. I, th- I would say it was pretty good, pretty good showing. Yeah, I mean, with this movie too, it's going to be such a, it's such a theater experience. Um, I will say that unfortunately I had to see it Friday morning at around 10 a.m., but actually surprisingly we had like 15 or 16 people in the theater with us and uh oh, that's not bad yeah it was it was pretty good and so i got a little bit of a theater reaction to a lot of the things that were going on too so i can kind of get some gauge of what the audience was feeling as well um but i guess i'll just talk first about how kind of we're going to structure this this is our first uh film conversation that we're going to have we're going to open with a non-spoiler and we're going to talk about kind of just what we thought how we felt about it maybe do some light comparing yeah in general terms do some light comparing to the novel uh and then we'll move into spoiler territory and at that point if you haven't seen the film i would suggest uh coming back later yeah come back after you've seen it and listen to the rest all right so here we go with non-spoiler so just go ahead and just fire off everything you felt right off the bat let me hear initial reactions (laughs) i mean i i um i really enjoyed it i i I guess I'll just kind of like I wasn't able to take notes because I was in a theater, a dark theater, you know, and I didn't want to annoy everyone. Um, but yeah, so I'll just kind of jump around. It's not going to be in any specific order, but things that jumped out at me, man, uh, Bill Skarsgård as as it as Pennywise. I thought he killed it. I, he was fantastic, which I had been hearing that buzz, but he was delightfully insane. He was like. The character, like, I feel like I know the character so well from reading the book and, and, and everything from the old version, but I felt like there was a new twist on it a little bit, of, and that new twist he brought to it was really compelling to me. What did you, what did you think of Pennywise? A Pennywise, I mean, a Pennywise was great. I was actually surprised because Tim Curry's Pennywise is so beloved, and there was so much coming into it where I felt like an actor might fall into the trap of, like, kind of have, trying to imitate what he had done. And I think he made a lot of interesting choices and was able to distinguish himself from Tim Curry. So I, and I thought he did a great job. It was honestly freakier, like more off the wall interpretation, kind of like manic. Like, I I guess I should have been expecting that, but from the novel, it was less manic. It was like more calculated, but he was like this manic uh, clown. And I, I really enjoyed it. I think he did a great job. Yeah, he was very, I agree. He was like, he was a, he was very, he was much more of a creature who seemed like more of a force of nature almost. But yeah, so uh, I wanted to say the the children all did a great job. For the most part, I thought it, it was really solid performances all around, which is always surprising to me because like, child actors can be so hit or miss. I mean, I think there are a few standouts, but I think the whole, the whole child cast was, was really good. I agree with you. The child actors did a great job. It's a really difficult thing for a child to do because they don't have the experience that an adult has. And um, mm-hmm. it kind of just makes me think of a lot of the Steven Spielberg films where he has those great child performances um, like mm-hmm. E.T. Henry Thomas in the role of Elliot is one is like my go to for like great child acting. And I think some of these kids did a really fantastic job that are almost on par with that. Like specifically for me, Finn Wolfhard as Richie. It's like, 
Yeah, he was great. He and, completely and, and captured was, the essence of the character. Yeah, so if you don't know, that's the guy from... That's the, like... I forget the character's name now, but the, uh, from Stranger Things. Right. The unique-looking kid from Stranger Things. Yeah, kind of um, the main character, I, right? Yeah, I remember thinking... I remember being surprised that he was Richie and not Bill. Like, I thought, why would... You know, like, I thought this guy's so big right now. Why isn't he Bill? But I think Richie might be the more difficult role because he had to carry a lot of it with humor while also being... You know, also having bringing the dramatic chops. So I think it might have been the most difficult role in the movie... With one exception, who I think my absolute standout was Sophia Lillis, is her name, as Beverly Marsh. I thought she just would, she stole scenes. She was incredible. I was really, really impressed with her. Yeah, I completely agree. She was fantastic. Everything that happened with her and her father and stuff, like all of that was like so well acted, especially for somebody her age. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing to me, yeah, how young she is and how, and how compelling. Yeah. So all in all, I I don't want to I don't want to feel like we we left anybody out because all of these kids did a great job yeah. and we'll get more into it later. That's true. Yeah, it really was a, a really good job all around. So without getting into any spoilers, I wanted to ask you for each character whether you liked the movie version of the character or the book character of the version more and or if it was a tie, I guess. But if you can if you could force yourself to pick, you should. Okay. So, yeah. uh we can go. Down, we can go down the road. The the role here. Let's start with Stanley. Do you like movie or uh, book Stanley better? So I think that the the movie did something really interesting with doing the the Jewish faith being part of his character. But all mm-hmm. in all, I think I'm gonna say that I liked the book version of his character a little more. That being said, I think it's mostly because they didn't give him quite enough to do in the movie. But that's gonna happen when you have such a large cast of kids. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, um, I think I'm leaning more towards movie Stanley because there was something about that kid's performance that just made me interested. Like, I wanted him to do more in the movie, and like it left me wanting more from that character. Whereas I always felt like in the book, he was kind of like, it was just always kind of boring to read about Stanley. Not Not real boring, but just like he was the least interesting character by a pretty good margin. Yeah. Um, all right, what about Eddie? For Welcome Eddie, I will say that I think I liked the movie version better. Agree. Because... I, he, he was great. And this kid, yeah, Jack Dylan Grazer, absolutely crushed it. He may be the most well-formed actor of these of this group, of this group of children. Because Interesting. the way... I think the way that he approaches the role and the way that he had to balance the things that he... Most of everything he said could come off as like an annoying character. And it's kind of supposed yeah. to, but this kid was able to toe the line and make it so that you, because I felt like in the book, Eddie was a little bit annoying until the end. Yeah. Him rattling off statistics about the gray water and about bacteria and bathrooms, like that was always great. I mean, that was as good, if not better than the Richie stuff, which was also great. You know, like all those, all those wisecracks. Speaking of Richie, how about that? How about that? Richie, Richie movie or Richie book? I loved Richie in the movie. Um, I'm going to say Ty. But I, I, really? I, I, I'm going to say Ty, but leaning towards movie. I think the movie killed. I think he destroyed Richie in the book. I, like Richie in the book's okay, but they got rid of all the problematic stuff for the most part. And they replaced it with him being just really genuinely funny. And, but still being that essence of that character who's just a trash talker. I don't know. I, I thought hands down movie for me. I can totally see it. Um, so what about what about uh, Mike? What about Mike Hanlon? I'm gonna say book for Mike. Agree. I also it, and he wasn't. It was not a knock against the actor. I just think they made the character a little bit less interesting in the movie than he was in the book. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen. I, I kind of thought it was weird that what they did with his family and having him be like at the involved. I don't know. We'll talk about it in spoilers. But uh, yeah, I I just yeah, think they that did. Yeah, he's another situation where they didn't give him nearly enough to do. Okay. Uh, movie or book bev i mean i think i'm gonna have to say movie on this one too i'm i i could be i think i could be persuaded i i think she is one of my favorite if not my favorite character in the book now that i'm thinking about it i don't know it's it's um this is the one where i feel like i might say ty but yeah i might have to give it to the movie because she i I, like i said she was probably my favorite performance so i i think the character as written matched with the performance 
made Bev, the movie uh, character, stand out a little more for me. I think I would give it to Bev in the book if, or I'm sorry, I would give it to Bev in the film if they also had everything that went on with her as an adult because it adds like so much depth to what she's doing as a kid and then to see it like juxtaposed to what she does as an adult. Yeah, well, you know, we might get that. <laughs> uh, we should talk about that, I guess, uh, in spoilers. Right. Um, okay, uh, Ben Hamscom. Uh Ben, I like Book Ben more. You like Book Ben more. Uh, I tend to agree. It seemed like they gave him some of Mike's stuff without getting into specifics, which I get. I guess I get it. They're trying to make him, like, more, more central. But, um, yeah, I think I like Ben. I think I like Book Ben a little bit more. But I, the guy did a great job, and especially his introductory scene with Bev, I thought was really, really so good. So great. Such a good scene. For for me, for Ben, the reason that it's got to be Book Ben is because they took away all of the things that I loved. In, like They took away all of his planning stuff, all of him kind of being integrated in the group because of not necessarily like him being in a situation that allowed him to... Like He was kind of in this. He was kind of hurt and then joined the group. And then in the book, it's more like he's hurt and also he bonds with them over the, the dam. So Yeah, I think that was that ended up becoming an issue with the just the pacing like they don't have time for all that for but sure. we can talk more about that later um let's get through i have two more i want to go with um we'll save bill for last which henry bowers did you hate more i guess would be the real question book book henry or movie book henry for sure i agree and i i want i want to give it to the to the kid in who played him in the movie because i think he did a great job and with a character that is tough because he's just reprehensible but i agree i think as much as i commend them for giving this movie a real adult edge considering all the leads being children he just he just isn't he just doesn't have quite the edge that henry in the book does they they just have to tame it down a little bit because it's just at at the end of the day you'll make if you push too hard you're gonna get an nc-17 rating and like he just he wasn't quite as scary to the kids and it just didn't seem as dangerous i guess i did like him though like i i mean it was a good it was a good performance but i agree all right uh, Bill Dembro. This is tough. Uh, I have to say, I think I'm going to say Ty on this one. You know, it's funny. I, I think I think I'm going to go Ty as well. And, and it's almost not like because both are amazing. It's because neither one did enough to leapfrog the other. Like they're both good, but I I do think Bill isn't quite as interesting a character as Bev or Ben, arguably, or maybe even Richie. Like he's good. And the movie version's good. I don't know. Do you disagree? Like, do you have a different take? I like them both for different reasons. With the Bill in the movie, I think, had a lot more to do with Georgie. Like, they focused a lot more on Georgie. They had a lot more Georgie showing up. And I think that that helped. But then at the end of the day, they also, because you want to show and not just tell everybody things that are going on, because you don't want to tell everybody how his character's feeling, they had to take away some of the things that showed how much of a leader he was. So I think now we're getting towards the end of our non-spoiler discussion here. And I just wanted to ask like, what you thought overall of the film compared to the book, just so that anybody like yeah. tuning in to hear what we thought of it. So, yeah, so I, you know, I'll throw it back to you in a second because that reminds me of another question I had when we left. But I really enjoyed the process of reading this book and then seeing the movie, and it didn't diminish my enjoyment of the film at all. In fact, I think I might have enjoyed it even more. I can be a tough horror movie fan to to please there's not a lot of them that i that i really enjoy now when i do really enjoy one i'll be i'll be like a huge fan for a long time forever but um and i think this this movie sold it and i guess the other thing is it's funny because the whole time i was thinking of this massive novel and so everything felt kind of rushed to me but i think i don't think that's the movie's fault i think it's just the amount of material that we cover in that book it gets condensed and when i got up to leave like people there's a couple people around me i heard say man that was long like you know what i mean like I, you hear that in a lot of movies but because it was over two hours and i remember when i heard that i was like really and i had to like check the time because i felt like the movie flew by because it felt like they were moving so fast to the material this was something i wanted to talk about this movie had great momentum great pacing it was yeah. propelled forward the entire time um i never i i will say that like i was like I knew that it was getting close to the end and I was like, oh man, I know that we're getting close to the end just because I knew that it was like, it's probably been about two hours now. And I was like, please let it go a little longer because I was just having such a good time. I wanted more out of it. A couple things that I wanted to talk about as far as just like technically, this movie kind of blew me away as far as like 
shot selection and composition because I typically in a horror film you might have a good cinematographer or DP on board but they in this movie they really went out of their way to like to have such like interesting shots that are so well blocked so that they seem like I actually saw um, a video after just basically right before we recorded this and um, I was talking about Stan Uris when he's reading the Torah and his dad comes in and says that he's like, he's like, you're not reading it well. The way that that shot is composed, um, it looks like Stanley is in like a cage and his dad is like standing above the cage because of like, Hmm. there's like almost like a little fencing in front of him. And it's just like things like that, that that add so much more to my experience because it, it subliminally is telling you how to feel while also showing you the film. And I just think like this movie, like it, it, I normally I will say there's a lot of great horror movies out there. And I agree with you. It's it's I can be a pretty tough critic of, of a lot of films, but horror movies in general kind of get a bad rap sometimes because they're mm-hmm. tip, they can be low budget and there's certain things. But when proper planning goes into a film, you can you, it just adds so much. And I think this film had it in spades. Did what well, I want to get your your experience having read a novel and then seeing the adaptation of that novel back to back cuz i'm assuming this is the first time you've done something like this and how did that how did that feel like how did, how did you having just read this novel affect your viewing of this movie so i mean i have done it for a couple of movies but i will say that this is the this is like the most that i've really analyzed the book and then gotten into the gone sure. into the film um, but this time around i will say you were saying that it didn't affect if anything it heightened your enjoyment um, I felt that there were places I felt that there I really really enjoyed the film but I thought there were places that they misstepped by like I said before um, I thought in another podcast episode I said that it would behoove them to stick to the source material fairly closely and there were a few times nearing the end where I kind of wish they had a little more but it's more just nitpicky okay. stuff we'll have to get into this we'll have to get into those specifics when we get into the spoiler section basically what I want to say is that like I really enjoyed this and I'm looking forward to doing it more on this podcast and I think yeah. that having that source material to, to pull from that knowledge, it just adds so much to the film because in the, in the book, you kind of become the characters and in the film, you're watching everything happen in like a passive way. And I think it just, yeah. it adds a lot to ha- get both perspectives. All right. So I think we're good to jump into spoilers now. So this is your, this is your warning, everybody. If you have not seen the film, go ahead and pause it and come back later. Uh, from here on out, we're going to, there's going to be spoilers everywhere. So, Luke, what did you think? Tell me, tell me your spoiler review. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, the pacing of this movie, because I know so much about the book, felt a bit off because the ki- the kids. It didn't feel off. I'm sorry. It felt kind of hectic to me because I'm used to that slower pace. And where the thing I think they had to sacrifice a little bit of was character motivations and a little bit of the logic that that went into the book losers club making the decision to do things because in the movie it felt very full foolhardy by them all the time where like something would happen and then like especially like when they went into the well house for the first time it felt so rushed and like there was no planning whereas in the books like these kids like would talk about it and they they'd be like we're gonna get this gun and we're gonna get this you know we've 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 learned that this seems like it works and we're gonna make sure we bring it and like this was just like fuck it, let's go to the well house and, and see what kind of like shenanigans we can get up to in there with it. Like, I, it, I remember like when it was happening, I'm like, what do they think they're going to do right now? Um, so yeah, kind of randomly there, but I don't know. Th- did that bother you at all? Or am, or am I, is that just a book thing where I'm overanalyzing it? No, I agree. Actually, this is what I was talking about with like, there were parts of it that I didn't, that I felt like with the knowledge of the book, I felt like I wanted more out of and like I, a lot of a lot of films fall into this, and I really didn't think that this movie was going to. But the third act, um, especially if it's if it's based off of like some source material, whether it's a book or whatever it is, they the third mm-hmm. act will deviate the course because they want like a big conclusion. They want something like the studio, maybe it's studio input, whatever it is, but they want like some specific thing to happen so that it's, there's like big action scenes or whatever it is. And since we're in spoiler territory now, I'll say. They, they end up all fighting it at the end. And it's like a very weird jumbled up sequence. I did like that there was like the yeah. fear transformations, but it was like kind of surprising that mm-hmm. they ended up after all the, like after, I guess after just reading the book and knowing all the planning and knowing the way that it worked and the way that the kids reacted to yes. it and stuff, it just, it just makes for a different experience. So you're, 
So you're saying they didn't go with the giant spider and the macroverse. Instead, they went with a physical confrontation with the clown, even though he did do some like weird tentacly things and like some shape changing. But for the most part, it was like a physical, like they're hitting him with bats and stabbing him and stuff. They kind of, you know, they were, you know, it was about fear and stuff, but they didn't, they certainly didn't do the ritual of should. Right. Let's just say that. And, and it's more, it's more grounded and I guess it's more accessible to like a general audience, yeah. which is kind of the I idea. Think so. I think that's yeah, why. I think that's the idea behind it. But what, what like kind of like gets me is that we're getting, we got the dark lights, right? The deadlights, sorry. We got, sorry. The deadlights. We got the deadlights. Like, they were in his mouth. Yeah. He opened his mouth and we could see the deadlights. Yeah. So, And I think, that, uh, did you notice his eyes would change colors and they would glow orange yeah. and stuff? I think that's supposed to be the deadlights in the eyes. Absolutely. And, and, so we were right there. We were towing yeah. the line. Why not just go all the way and go weird? Yeah. I think, I yeah, accessibility. Like like you said, I think, I think they're wanting to appeal to an audience who has not read the books. And, like, that stuff is very weird in the books, so... I don't know. I guess I'm going. I gave I gave him a pass on that. I was kind of expecting it to be honest. So I I wasn't surprised when I saw that they didn't go that route. Well, I was I um, was and uh, so say and I I feel like I'm willing to bet that in part two, which it's hinted at at the end that there will be a part two. Uh, I think we will get the spider. I think we they're saving the final form for the final movie instead of revealing it now which is smart but i kind of i kind of just wanted to see i i mean i guess that is smart we did see some some spider-like legs right during the fight so yeah we had some i knew they were teasing at it and hinting it but i just i just was like kind of hoping that they would stay true yeah and instead they actually had the kids floating instead of being like strung up by silk like they had them literally floating in the air what did you think of that change it was weird I'll say it was weird. I don't know that I necessarily thought that it, because it was also like un, unclear whether Bev was like one of the floating people or if she was about to be. And then it was Georgie being there. Did that mean that he was like one of the floating bodies? And if they, if Ben Hanscom kissed, kissed, if Ben Hanscom kissed Georgie on the mouth, would that have brought him back? It was unclear whether or not the people who were floating were dead or just in a trance. And when they all started coming down at the end, it seemed like maybe they weren't dead. But then it's like, why is Georgie dead and the others not? And I, 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 you can make some leaps and, and kind of answer these questions, but it felt a little bit like also the movie not wanting to be quite as dark as it was gonna be, because they could be like, oh, they they saved a bunch of children versus like, no, they just fought it, but all those people are still dead, which is basically what happens in the book. <laughs> this actually is a good segue to something that I wanted to talk about, which was Carrie Fukunaga uh, was set to direct this film for actually quite some time. And so he was, I think he ended up leaving the project because of creative differences, because the studio wanted it, it to remain clown-like and he wanted to go weird with it. He wanted to, he wanted it to be weird and unconventional. He wanted it to, he wanted it to be, um, more than just a clown is what he said. And, uh, for those who don't know, Kerry Fukunaga is the, uh, creative force behind True Detective and Beasts of No Nation. And um, I know, Luke, you you really enjoyed True Detective. Tell me a little bit about the Lovecraftian. Yeah. In True Detective, the writer Nick Pizzolatto was working with True De- uh, was working with Carrie Fukunaga for the first season, and then they had creative differences, and uh, he had to leave for season two. So it's interesting. It seems like he's a guy who sticks to his guns. Is if I'm reading between the lines here, and if he really wants something to go a certain way, it's willing to walk if it's not going to go that way. Um, but yeah, it's season one of True Detective has all these Lovecraftian themes and uh, illusions, and it gets very weird. Um, so, I, I think maybe he has a flair for that kind of that kind of storytelling. What's interesting is that although he left the project, he's he was still uh, credited as a screenwriter. So that means that he, they they still ended up using his script like the studio wanted to use yeah. the script that he had developed because I think this this movie was in development for like seven years and um, he had been working on uh, like getting all the because the, the very important thing about it that people that people I think overlook sometimes is that it's about the characters. The characters are the best part. It's yeah. not about the clown. It's not yeah. about it. It's not about all that stuff. It's that the characters are relatable and there's one kid in the group. You're going to pick them out and you're going to relate to them and you're going to it's and that's what it's about so he wanted to have all those character beats and those character moments be as fleshed out as they could be before he started like diving into the it stuff and 
I guess they did, he was going too weird with it. He's probably trying to do that macroverse stuff. And he ended up leaving the project and Andy Muschietti had to use that script. And I think a lot of the character that we see in this film is in part thanks to Fukunaga. Yeah, I agree. And, and um, I'm glad he was able to, they, they were able to bring some of his vision to life because I, it wasn't only clown stuff. Like we got the leper. We got, so in, we got that like weird painting person. Um, so like we did get other stuff. Um, it seems like maybe he wanted to do more, but I'm glad that it wasn't only clown all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause that, that I mean, that's what, that's what people traditionally think of when they hear it and i think before we read this novel i kind of had that that connotation where it was just like oh it's a creepy clown but it's so much more than that and that's part of the reason why the novel is like now up like one of my favorite no- i've really enjoyed the, the the book it's one of my favorite books now yeah which if you haven't read you should go back and listen to our five-part breakdown and discussion of that novel <laughs> definitely oh so okay so i wanted to mention one more quibble i had and then i want to get into more good stuff um one more quibble i had are you familiar with the term fridging? No, I'm not. As a plot device. Okay, so this is a this is a cliche that has been identified that a lot of writers do to. Can I ask? Characters. Okay, I was gonna say I was gonna say. Can I try to predict what this is? Is it where? Go ahead. So you have a female character and a group of men or a guy, and what they do is that she becomes the damsel in distress that they have to save. Yes. Yes, and it's exactly what they decided to do with Bev's character. That does not happen in the books. They take her and they 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 take her out of the group and I mean, at least it it I feel like it wasn't as like it could have been done even worse but like it was okay like I, I didn't hate it but I I definitely identified it and what they did is they took the the female character they captured her took her out of the plot for a little bit and then they used it to motivate all the male characters and I just did like I got a little bit of a mental eye roll about it because it's a it's kind of a trap that a lot of writers fall into and it, it was just unfortunate for me i feel like that they fell into that same trap yeah i had it in my notes that i was i it was something that i i definitely had identified as something that i thought was a problem in the movie like it, it's just such a cliche man it's such a trope and it's done all the time and i know that that i guess for a film audience you want to be as general as you can but people will still be mo- like bill wanting to go into the sewer to to like get georgie or whatever is enough of a motivation an audience will go along with that you don't need to add on oh the the female character's in danger so the men characters need to go save her and yeah and why is it the female character you know what i mean like that's the thing like it could have been any of them it could have been Stanley. it's problematic because she's a woman but even so i think yeah. that it's a, a it's a dumb even if they had sent a male character down there and that's the reason why they all went down there yeah. i think that it's still a lazy trope personally yeah I agree. I agree that it wasn't. I don't think it was needed. But I also see that I can see the I, I can see the thought process that led them to that decision. I just think um, it could have been done differently. But I don't want to harp on it too much because I, I I really love this movie. <laughs> it's like oh, I really enjoyed the movie. There are small things that I can nitpick, but at the end of the day, this is yeah. a this is one of my favorite movies of the year. So yeah. Okay. So I want to I want to launch into that. I wanted to ask you. What is your what was your favorite or if you have more than one favorite new scene uh, where Pennywise was scaring the shit out of someone that was not in the book like a new imagining of it like, do you have any standouts that you're still thinking about do you do you mean like one of the transformations that he took on or just like a scene in general yeah I, specifically a Pennywise scene where he's scaring somebody like was that wasn't in the novel like something new that they did for the movie that just like you were really really happy with there were a couple there were definitely a couple good ones I think that the ones I think I don't have any issue with them changing the things that people feared like having Ben uh, be afraid of the guy the yeah. ironworks guy who's like carrying the Easter eggs and things like that like I thought those were fine changes like they're there it didn't affect any yeah. of the movie for me and I think it's still played played just how Stephen was King was that a standout for you? So I think my favorite one that was a change would be Stanley's because he, like I said before, the framing of that scene before he puts the Torah away in his dad's office, and the way that they do the yeah. painting on the wall, and then the painting falls, and he puts it back, and there's nothing there. I mean, that's I think it's I think that's my favorite change that they made, and that that creepy <laughs> flute playing creature Man, was awesome. Yeah, so that was mine. You 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 totally hit on mine. Um, 
yeah, when you when he hears the sound of it playing the flute or oboe or whatever it is in the other room, and he like looks over because he's like, oh shit, that's that weird face thing, and then it's behind him. Like that was so that was so fucking good. Like I really love that, and it's so creepy looking, and like I want that painting in my office now. Like because I'm weird like that. Like it's so good. <laughs> Um, okay, so the other thing, what what was your favorite version of a of a scene with Pennywise that was in the book? Uh, my favorite version. This one's easy for me. the The one with Bill, where he goes down to the basement, and uh, Georgie's down there with yeah. Pennywise, and he's kind of Georgie's talking to him, and he's like, "Come, come on down," and he's like, "You'll float too. You'll float too. <laughs> You'll float too. You'll float yeah. too." The basement. Um, yeah. I thought that kid yeah. killed it, by the way. Yeah, Georgie, mm-hmm. little Georgie. I think he was played by Jackson Robert Scott. And I think he did a great job, especially for how how much younger he is than even the other actors in the movie. And I, I yeah, uh, I think its eyes changed in that scene like twice. It's just, I, that was my favorite one. What was your favorite one? Uh, You know, I think I'm going to give it to the opening scene. I think I'm going to give it to the sewer, to the sewer scene. I think they really nailed that, that, that first like they made it different enough from the book and from the previous version, but but at its core still the same. And I, I don't know, I was really happy with that. And then the 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 biting off the arm was just really shocking. And I think um, it sets the tone for the movie because it immediately tells you like children can die in this movie and do die. So it makes the audience un- really uneasy about everything that happens after that because you you feel like at any moment any of these kids could actually die. Whereas most movies, you would feel like no, no way they're going to kill the kid, you know? So an honorable mention for me would be a scene that I enjoyed that was from the book is the rock fight scene. Oh, yeah. Well, that's not a Pennywise scene, so it was a little bit outside my parameters, but I agree. They did a great yeah. job with that. That scene was yeah. so much fun. And the way that they... The, I really actually enjoyed the tone change from the eight, the 50s to the 80s. Oh, that's right. We didn't talk about that. They changed it in 1989. It's so cool because audiences these days, like the current audience is going to respond well to this because they either grew up then or grew up close to then. And obviously as adults, we're going to get 27 years later would be present day 20, 2017, 20, maybe even 2016 when production started. Did you catch the Easter eggs? I caught three. I mean, there are a lot of them, but I caught three particular Easter eggs that jumped out, jumped out at me, two of which are revolve around the turtle. Did you catch both turtle? turtle easter eggs absolutely yeah i i think I, unless i unless i caught different ones than you the yeah which the ones lego, did you catch there's a lego turtle in georgie's lego room turtle. and then there was the when they're swimming he's like what was that and he was like a turtle like yep, swam yep. underneath them uh that i will say something I I, having just seen the movie i came home and i just wanted to ingest everything and see if i had missed anything and just i like to go on to different forums and stuff and see what people are saying about these movies and somebody noticed that um there's a lot of um, interdimensional references that people are saying are is pointing towards the macroverse. Um, really? In, yeah, in Bill's room when they first are making the boat, there's like a planet, like a, a like a scale model of like the solar system above him, and then in Georgie's room above Georgie's bed, there's a there's a little alien looking spaceship above his head. Interesting. I was too busy looking at the uh, player's handbook first edition. I didn't uh, cover even... that was up on the wall. You didn't catch that? No, I didn't catch it's, that. That's awesome. It's it's such it like that. I had that book and like seeing it up on the wall. It's like one of my favorite covers of D and D and D player sandbook. And now I'm a geek. Uh, surprise. <laughs> so uh, and then the other reference was Ben was wearing a, like a galaxy shirt. He was wearing a oh, shirt oh. that had like like Milky Way Nebula looking galaxy stuff on his shirt when he got uh, cut open by the werewolf. It. Yeah, so th- those could have just been Easter eggs, but it'll be interesting if that is something that they're trying to hint at. Uh, yeah. Also, I think Paul Bunyan, did, did, you see, did you see Paul Bunyan standing behind them when they were talking? Yeah, during that parade, actually, that parade scene has a bunch of Easter eggs that, that like, kind of yeah. jumped out to me. Did you see the like what was playing in theaters? Uh, fr- uh, Friday the 13th, part five or something? Yeah, or? That, so that when Bill Nightmare was going... Street, part five. Yeah, when Bill was going to get richie from the because they had had their fight when bill was going to get richie because bev had been taken by it um that that time that they showed the theater it says nightmare on elm street five but Mm -hmm. uh before that up on the marquee during uh during the parade it's batman 89 
And yeah, and uh, the other one was Lethal Weapon 2. Okay. <laughs> so it's got to be the filmmakers either like they either really love those movies or it matches up with what was out in theaters at the time. Either way, it's a cool Easter egg and I'm a fan. Cool. Um, I was a little, how'd you feel about the, that we didn't get an actual werewolf? It seemed like we were going to get one, but really it was just like its fingers kind of ripping out of it and like becoming claws and a little bit hairy. Like it almost felt like an Easter egg, like this is kind of werewolfy to those who've seen the who've seen the um, who've read the book. Because in that exact part in the house on Nebolt Street, that's when it's the werewolf, right? I believe. I, I think it was an Easter egg. Uh, I I don't really have that much of an opinion of not. I I wanted obviously, as I've said a couple times, to stay as close to the source material as possible. But I get that other people want to put their spin on it, and um, yeah, that that nod is enough for me. I think. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was cool. Okay, another scene that was similar to the book uh, was the scene where they had the projector, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on the projector mm-hmm. scene because I actually thought it played out really well and it worked for me. What'd you think? Yeah, I liked it. And the the girl sitting—I mean, she wasn't right next to me; she was one chair one chair away. But she like totally like hid in her chair and like hit her face during that whole scene. That scene was great. Yeah, she spilled her popcorn halfway through the movie too in one of the parts, so she was she was having a good time, I think. Yeah uh that scene was great i didn't i didn't think that pennywise would jump out of the screen in that much of dramatic fashion like he came way out of the screen and he was huge and i just thought that was so much fun i thought that That, was a really cool scene that was definitely like a spiritual successor to those photo album scenes that we get in the in the book right and i thought it was yeah i thought it was good and that's i guess that does lead me to another point of like seeing pennywise on the screen is inherently more terrifying to me than it was in the book. And I think that's just a personal thing. Some people, it is probably the exact opposite. But I don't know. For the most part, being viscerally frightened by what I'm seeing on the screen is more affecting to me than reading about these kind of creatures in the novel. How did it strike you? So I personally agree with you. I think that he's... It's I can understand like a terrifying scenario in the book and i don't know what it is like like you're saying like i don't know if it's me personally but for me if i can see it i can hear it i can i feel like you know i just feel like i'm more there and i think in general i respond better to video and and audio being showed to me but i do get a lot out of books but in this case i think pennywise was much more scary in the in the film than in the book because for me in the book it's like a book you can put down and like yeah. if you're in a theater watching a film it's going whether whether or not you want to stop and they get that score behind it right like that they music can really change the way you perceive a scene when you get that like heart they do the heart thumping in the background they get that rising dramatic music and all of a sudden you're on edge even though you're like regardless of what you're seeing right i i that was something that struck me from this film actually too that i wanted to mention is the score when i when i finished the novel I texted you actually and we had a conversation. I was like, should I watch mm-hmm. the trailers? And you're like, well, we already know everything because we read the book. And I was like, right, you are. So I watched all of the trailers. Um, <laughs> and from the first trailer, I was like, oh my gosh, like the score is just like going to go. It's It was great. I thought it was so yeah. well crafted. It fits so well. And there's this little noise that happens in the trailer. I'm not sure how many times it happened in the film, but it's like that. Oh my gosh, man. That makes my skin crawl a little bit whenever I hear that. So... Yeah, you know, I maybe I have to see it again because, like, honestly, I can't remember a time in the movie where it was definitely playing, but I'm sure it was. Yeah, I had something <laughs> else I wanted to mention is that uh, typically, like, I like to view something like this a few times before I come oh, to yeah. like a final conclusion of it, or just in general for my own enjoyment, I like to watch through things a few times. And uh, I'm looking forward to going back to this one for sure because I had a great time, and I'm gonna get yeah. more out of it on the second viewing, I'm sure. Yeah, man, I want to own this one. <laughs> oh, I wanted to mention, um, so at the end of the movie, when um, Bev says she's going to Portland, um, everybody in the theater started laughing. So I live in Portland, Oregon, and like everyone was like, oh my God, Portland, and they all reacted, and I'm sitting there going like, they're talking about Maine, guys. Like, I didn't say that, but <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, come on, guys. We're so, so West Coast-centric out here. I was actually, I mean, my first thought, because we've been like going through this journey together through the book and then now through the movie, was, was Portland, Oregon. And then I was, I thought about it for a second. I was like, oh yeah, there's another Portland. 
but that is that's a really funny like little situation that you got into i wonder how many of those people will realize that they're actually talking about portland maine yeah i don't know some some did i i heard some people talking about the book i will say as like i heard people going oh i well i guess i don't know they could have been talking about the miniseries but i thought that they were talking about the book it's hard to say I always think more people read the novels than do, so <laughs> I probably don't, I'm probably um, misjudging it. Yeah, so I just want to make a uh, few last points of things that I don't want to miss out on, of things that I took notes on, and then maybe you can do the same if you had any other things you wanted to quickly mention. How did you feel about how much of the barons we got? Because I felt like we didn't get enough barons. It wasn't as... I, I mean, they, they shifted the focus a little bit away from the sewers and a little bit away from the barons. Um, I like. I was a little bit worried that the whole movie was going to end in the house on Newbolt Street, but I'm glad that they went down into the like well, essentially down into the into the sewers, because that, that does feel like an essential part of the mythos of that of, of Pennywise is that it lives in the sewers. That's why it gets Georgie that way in the storm drain. So it needed to be in the sewers, and I'm glad it ended up going there. Um, but similar, yeah. So the Barons, I think, similarly they shifted it away from the barons a little bit more in, into town, probably just because cinematically it's probably more interesting that way. Yeah, I think I get it um, like logistically. Like I understand why they did it. I just think that for me, the characters were bonded together at the barons. So it was just something that I was expecting to see a little bit more of. Not necessarily a good mm -hmm. thing or a bad thing that it wasn't yeah. as much in there. It was just something that I thought I'd mention. Um, yeah. Something that I think we both predicted wasn't in the film that I wanted to mention also was the smoke hole. But I did read online that Kerry Fukunaga, uh, I think, wanted to lean into it, and he wanted to do the smoke hole scene. And I think, I think, for budgetary reasons, they were they were gonna like the studio was pushing back against it. Um, I don't know how true that is. Like that could just be rumors. That's just something that I read. Yeah. Take that as you will. So I think we should at least like mention the fact that, of course, there wasn't an orgy scene in this movie. <laughs> no, uh, I think there was a couple of things they did honestly that were like a little bit of an acknowledgement of that like um I agree. ben kissing her i think is is that like physical thing that they're trying to do um i think her kissing bill at the end and like wiping blood on his face not only being kind of a funny moment that i laughed about in the theater but also i think is kind of a um something that goes beyond like a simple kiss yeah, I think uh, there's also like a group hug at the end that I felt like could yeah. be like a direct like. Oh, yeah. Um, right after they defeat Pennywise, right? In the right. sewers, they all get together in this like big group hug. Right. I agree. So I feel like that could just have taken the place of the orgy, which goes to show I don't think you necessarily needed the orgy oh. scene. but So we should mention what we're talking about because people, people might listen to this and not have read the book. There is a scene in the book where all of the children basically have sex with Bev. And we, if you want to hear us discuss it at length, we get into a really, really good discussion, I thought, in our part five coverage. Because um, I thought we did a great job. And if you're really curious about what the fuck are they talking about, we can't rehash it all here. But it's a really controversial scene in the book. And we discuss it at length in that in that episode, episode five. Yeah, you should guys definitely check it out. It's, it's, it's such an interesting, like whole scenario and it was like kind of like when it was written and there's just so much so go check it out the last thing i think i want to mention uh, as far as our spoiler review goes is the future vision by bev like she kind of like talks about when they're all sitting around at the end she says like when she was in yeah. the deadlights or whatever she was in that trance she saw all of them at 40 years old and how they had all forgotten all of these things and i just think they're like there's a couple decisions that they made thing. Yeah, that's it. Like, I just think there's a couple decisions that they that they made where it was like, I know that that was in the book, but you should leave that unsaid because you're going to have a sequel. Right. And also, Henry Bowers falls down a well after Mike pushes him. And I just yeah. think we should mention this, that Henry Bowers shows up in their adult life. I think he'll be. Yeah, he'll be alive in part two. Um, I think they're, they're leaving it. I think they're leaving it ambiguous so that you can be surprised when he shows up in part two. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess I feel I kind of like the nod to it. Like, it, I, I don't know. Like it was um, and it, it, was, it was I think it's priming the audience who hasn't read the book. If you haven't read the book that like, hey, there's a part two. They're going to be roughly this age. Stay tuned. That way, when part two rolls around, they're not expecting all the children to be back. You know what I mean? Like they understand that. No, this is going to be adults. Speaking of that, I think it's a good segue. Uh, I wanted to talk about the actors that will portray these children, at least like who we think could do it, maybe who our dream casts are. 
like that kind of thing. Yeah, I uh, we had talked about this, so I went and found a list actually of the child actors who all played the characters in this film have their have kind of self casted who they want their adult counterparts to be. So oh really? I didn't I didn't know they did that. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I would yeah I would love to hear who they who they picked. Okay. And then I have my own picks. Okay, yeah, I'll tell you. I'll tell you theirs first. So okay, let's do them one at a time. Yeah. So Finn Wolfhard, who plays Richie, he said that uh, Bill Hader should play him in the sequel, which I can kind of see. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I I get it and I like it. Um, yeah, I do like it because because Hader can do the the comedic part of it. That's why I like it. Um, I had seen elsewhere people uh, put forth Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, and I think it's only because of the look. Like, I think people are looking at the actor and, like, aging him up and thinking he could look like Benedict Cumberbatch one day. Um, but honestly, I don't think he would have... I don't can't see him as this, like, trash-talking character. Now, maybe I'm wrong and maybe he'd kill it, but... He could probably pull um, it off, can't. but just like natural, like natural trash talker, he is not. Yeah. Now I have one that's kind of an outside pick that's going to seem maybe a little bit off the wall, but what about James Franco? He's the right age. He can do dramatic and he can do comedic. Like I feel like he might actually be a better dramatic actor, perhaps than Bill Hader. I don't know. Maybe that's a controversial statement, but. I don't know. Like, and I think he's definitely can do the trash talk. Um, he, he's a little bit kind of stonery, but it could kind of work with, with the material, especially if he takes it seriously. Yeah, I can totally see that. That's a good pick. I, I hadn't even thought of James Franco. I usually, James Franco is an interesting figure within the community because he is seen as like this stoner guy. And then at the same time, yeah. he can pull off these really good roles and, and like be eccentric yeah. or be like funny. He's, he's, a, he's a versatile actor that's kind of overlooked sometimes. And, and, like, I think a key for this is because... what's his, You said his name's Finn Lockhart? Uh, uh, Finn Wolfhard. Sorry. <laughs> Finn Wolfhard. Um, he has a kind of... Intre- he has a very particular-looking face. And so wh- whoever you cast is going to have to be somebody that you could, like, believe he could grow into. And I think I could just buy that he would grow into a James Franco. What, what do you think? I buy it. Yeah. I, I'll take Hater. I'll take either of these guys. I'm, I'm fine with either yeah, of these guys. Yeah, I would be happy with Hater as well. Okay, so next I have Sophia Lillis, Bev, chose for her adult counterpart, Jessica Chastain. Jessica Chastain, I, I do like that. Um, I have two other, I have two others that I couldn't decide between, and I think it depends on, a little, maybe it depends on a little bit, but yeah, Jessica Chastain's good. She's, good. she's a phenomenal actress. Who, who is your pick? So I had um, Bryce Dallas Howard. Um who was like recently in uh, Jurassic World um, or Amy Adams. And I am a huge Amy Adams fan. So that's kind of like my, one of my favorites. Um, I can see maybe an argument that, it, that um, she doesn't quite fit it, but I don't know. I, I, what, what do you think of those two? I like both of those actresses as well. Um, we're it's literally, we're just naming like the top tier of, of Hollywood actors right now. So I know, right? Like, yeah. Amy Adams probably wouldn't do it, but maybe. Amy Adams, I would love to see in the role. Um, Jessica Jastain, I would love to see. Yeah. Who was your second pick? Bryce Dallas Howard. Oh, yeah. Bryce Dallas Howard has it, too. Have you seen that episode of Black Mirror that she's in? No. That's a great episode. You got to check that out. She's she's really good okay. in that. And I could see her playing like a... It's it's definitely different than a lot of things she's played before. Yeah. I, I feel like Jurassic World is in a great comparison for how she would be as Bev, because she would have to be a very diff- different character than her character in Jurassic World. But Yeah. Um, if you're just trying to picture the person. <laughs> so moving on, Mike, played by, his name is Chosen Jacobs, said that Chadwick Boseman should p- play him in the sequel. Now, Chadwick Boseman, oh, what's he, in? Uh, he, I think most famously is known for Black Panther. He's Black Panther in oh, Captain America okay. Civil yeah, yeah. War. Isn't He seems like he might be too young for this, for a 40-year-old Mike. I think he's close. He's he was also in IMDb that he was born in seventy six. Yeah, so he's so never mind. I'm wrong. <laughs> he's also known for uh, his role as Jackie Robinson in Forty Two and Get On Up. He was James Brown, 
So, I mean, he's had some dramatic roles that are actually pretty good. I don't know if you've seen either of those. I really liked 42. Um, and then he's awesome as, as Black Panther. He's gonna. I can't wait to see the Black Panther film when it comes out. All right. So my pick, um, I do like that pick. And I think that would be great. Um, my pick, um, I saw, okay, so I will. I mentioned saw, I saw someone did Idris Elba as their, like, dream cast on, like, Twitter. I don't, I don't know that I like him for Mike. I, I, and, like, I love Idris Elba, he, I, you know, but also because he was just in Dark Tower, it feels a little bit too, like, that would just never happen, that he'd be in another Stephen King joint, like, that soon after. Anyway, uh, my, my pick, and I'm going to, I'm going to butcher this name, uh, Chiwetel a geophore i think it's chuatel edgeophor okay there we go there it is um let me just loop that in over top (laughs) uh anyway uh he um if you don't know like i I guess the thing that jumps to my head was um dr strange recently he was like the guy that benedict cumberbatch was talking to a lot who was this other like monk character and i don't know i just feel like he could really have that like i've grown up becoming a librarian i guess i'm thinking of the book like the book Mike. Now they might go a completely different route for the movie Mike, but he fits book Mike Hanlon to me. I think Chiwetel Ejiofor is a great pick. Um, he, I mean, the guy's been in some fantastic movies. Have you seen? I mean, he was in Twelve Years a Slave, which is like where I, I didn't where see I that. First, that's one that I've been wanting to see. Yeah, that's where I first saw him, and he's amazing in that film. And then also okay. he's in Children of Men, which is one of my favorite. Oh, movies. Oh yeah, he's yeah, a, I love that movie. Great movie. And then uh, recently, I actually saw this weird movie called Z for Zachariah, which is like this post-apocalyptic world. And he was really good in that, too. It was kind of just like there's three people left on Earth, and it's it's cool. Children of Men is based off of a book, by the way. That is true. I, I would love to get it. That's, I would love to talk about that film. I can talk about it for hours. All right. Um... So next on the list is Eddie. Eddie is played by Jack Dylan Grazer. And he said Jake Gyllenhaal should play him in the sequel. Yeah, I like that. So, so okay. So I was thrown off. I I had seen someone dreamcast JGL Joseph Gordon-Levitt as him, but I like. We can talk about it later. But um, I like him for someone else. Um, wait, wait, wait. So let's pause. Let's pause here. Who do you like him for? I like him for Bill. Okay, because interestingly enough, on this list, they had uh, that actor who is named Wyatt Olaf cast himself as joseph gordon levitt he's stan which actor stan yeah he said that joseph gordon levitt should play him yeah i don't like that also i don't think it would happen because uh, i mean spoiler for the book and for part two uh stan isn't in the movie very long um so i i i don't think you'd get jgl to come in for that kind of role you might he's into some weird stuff he might come in for a day shoot but i agree it's it'd be weird to cast him for one thing but who's your pick but i think he'd make a great bill i okay joseph gordon levitt for bill yeah i think he would too let's 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 we're getting out of order a little bit here so let's go back to we were at eddie so who do you have for eddie i didn't you know so eddie i was thrown off because i had seen somebody cast jgl as him and um i'm realizing in my notes i didn't actually think about it um I like Jake Gyllenhaal. I think that could definitely work. Um, I'll go with that. I I, 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 agree. I approve of that pick for Eddie. That's a good pick, yeah. So next up, we just spoke about it, but uh, the actor Wyatt Olaf, who plays Stan, cast himself as Joseph Gordon-Levitt. You said you didn't really see it because he's not in the movie very long. So who did you have as Stan? I don't think the, char- the actor who plays Stan is very important for the new movie because that character doesn't last very long. I think you, you get a like, kind of, you know, b b or c level actor to come in and do that role i think you get a jgl on board for this project <laughs> i think he's bill i i like him as, as bill dembro yeah i mean i can totally see joseph gordon levin in that role in that role he's he's a great actor and he does he does all kinds of different budgeted films yeah so this list only had six of seven um bill the actor who plays him Jaden lieberher didn't end up uh choosing dream casting himself i'm not sure why Okay, uh, we we uh, we didn't talk Ben Hanscom, and I I have seen I, I'm interested to see who he says. I have seen the internet basically decide. I, somebody. I know who it, it's going to be. Who this kid said as well. It's who the kid said. Is it? Yeah. Should we say it on three? Say? Should we say it on three? Yeah. One, two, three. Chris, Chris Pratt. Pratt. Yes, absolutely. They have to get him. They have to get Chris Pratt to play Ben Hanscom. Hanscom. It just makes so much sense. He's a huge star. He'd be great in the role. They got to do it. He is. I mean, he just he had the same transformation. It just makes sense for the role. 
so yeah that's that's all six of seven that they had available online and then we got your seventh we got your joseph gordon levitt bill casting oh i did want to mention um i had a um so this guy didn't talk about it clearly um but henry bowers do you know who ben foster is it sounds very familiar let me check look google him tell me he's so he's kind of he's not like a big a-list oh, yeah. star yeah definitely i know who he is i think he could he could play this bull like this like dead-eyed bully in the future i think he i think he could do it yeah i i totally i'm on board with that i think he's i think he's a great actor have you did you see hell or high water no i wanted to that looks good he's really good in that and he's in there he he definitely plays like a despicable character pretty well oh perfect then uh so you wanted you were telling me earlier and you didn't you didn't finish because you wanted to save it but um you were telling me something there was controversy about bill skarsgård as pennywise yeah, so initially, uh, Kerry Fukunaga had an actor named Will Poulter on board to play Pennywise because apparently he was blown away by his audition. Um, wow. He's kind of a character actor. He's not he's not all that well-known, but some people may know him. Go ahead and Google him if you don't. He was going to play the role of Pennywise, which is, I mean, a dream role, and he was locked in. And then when Kerry Fukunaga left, Andy Musch- Muschietti came in and uh, decided to cast Bill Skarsgård instead. Apparently... Will Poulter was still at the top of his list, but it ended up that Bill Skarsgård had the role, and what a role to miss out on. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of can't, I'm, I don't know, it's hard because it's like, I wouldn't have necessarily picked Bill Skarsgård out of a lineup as someone who'd play a great Pennywise, but he did. And so maybe maybe Will Poulter would have done a great job, but I can't, I, I just saw We're the Millers, which is a, like a terrible comedy, and from a few years ago, um... And he's like a kid in that, and I just—I mean, it's hard for me to like distance myself from that. Apparently, he was in the Revenant as well, but I don't remember—I don't remember him in the Revenant. He played a pretty good. Is he role. the kid who gets killed? He no, he's not the kid who gets killed. He's like um like a surrounding character who's like with the gang of pelt collectors at first, and then he kind of, um, like I think he ends up helping Leonardo DiCaprio's character by the end. Well, uh, so did you also see this? Um, there was there's the, kind of an internet campaign going around right now to get Bill Skarsgård to be in this new newly announced Joker movie, Joker like biopic that's got, that's got announced yeah. that they're gonna try and do as the Joker. I mean, I can I can definitely because, see it. I don't know. Yeah, because of Penny, because of his portrayal of Pennywise, you know. I don't know. Being a fan of of all of that source material in general of uh, the Joker. I'm not really sure if I even want this movie to happen. Yeah. I also saw um, Leonardo DiCaprio being floated as someone, but I'm like, good luck getting him. But yeah, that would be cool. Anyway, I don't want to talk too much about other movies. We're talking It, um, but I think we're running out of steam. Do you do you have anything else you want to talk about with It? So yeah, last thing I wanted, to, I wanted to let you know that I saw online was apparently the Duffer Brothers really badly wanted to direct this film a few years ago and the duffer brothers are really? the minds behind stranger oh, things stranger things and yeah. so what interestingly enough what happened was the studios felt that they were too young and too inexperienced and they went off and made a love letter to stephen king in stranger things yeah how about that so i just thought i'd mention that i thought that was really interesting so if you guys want more coverage of it there's actually another podcast that i'd like to recommend that a friend of mine is is uh doing with his best friend uh it's called watch yeah you told me about that. yeah it's called watch review repeat uh, they're going to have an It episode coming out. And um, just personally, I love to listen to them talk. They're very genuine. They, You can tell that they're best friends. And a lot of these review podcasts turn into situations where uh, they're kind of formal. And this is an informal conversation between friends. It's just they're having a good time. They're letting you know their takes. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I, I, I definitely recommend you check it out for sure. You know, I'm going to want to hear... They're, I'm definitely going to want to check out their coverage because I'm going to be curious to hear about like someone who didn't just read the book. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Like I'm going to be really curious to hear what they what they yeah. Think and they have I mean they have great content. I just listened recently uh, went and saw Wind River, and they had a good a really good breakdown of that, and I really enjoyed their their takes on it. So definitely everybody you go check it out, Luke, as well as every, anybody who's listening because they have yeah. some good stuff. Go and if you want, follow them on Twitter, Facebook. They're all over the place. Watch review repeat. Yeah, I subscribed. Uh, I already subscribed. I'm ready to uh, to check it out for sure. All right, any, uh, so this is going to be the end of our coverage of it until part two, because I'm sure we will cover part two if we're still doing this, which I hope we are. Um, 
whenever that comes out. <laughs> but for now, this is going to be putting the uh, closing the book or rolling credits on our coverage of it. How do you feel about it overall? Uh, now that we're going to be moving on to another project, which we should also talk about. But before that, how do you feel about closing the book on this? So, I, I mean, I had a great experience with this this book. Um, like I said before, I had never read the novel. I was going in just with what I knew from the Tim Curry miniseries that I barely remembered and honestly got so much out of the novel. I it's I'm I'm not joking when I say it's one of my favorite novels. Um, mm. It's it's got a lot of the things that I like in storytelling. It's relatable. It's very centered on the characters. It's got good mythos, good backstory, um, and like uh, we talked about it in our podcast episodes about the about the novel. But King's attention to detail is just unbelievable. And then coming to see this film and having it be kind of this phenomenon that's blowing up is just it's been a great experience, yeah. and I, I really really enjoyed the film. I think it's been a, it's been a great one to start with. Um, I, there was so much meat to what we got to talk about in those in those book episodes that now that if if you're someone who's just checking out this movie episode. Go like now that you know the story, you can go back and listen to those book episodes and and find out first off if it's something you want to read yourself, or just hear us talk about it and like you can start to hear the differences, which I think is really interesting if you want to do a deep dive into this material. Um, but yeah, I was happy with it. I think it. I was a little bit worried it was going to be uh, too much, but I think we we handled it, and um, I'm excited about our next project which we announced in uh, our previous episode, but do you want to announce it again? Yeah, so uh, our next project is going to be Blade Runner. So what we're going to do is we're going to be reading the novel Do Androids Dream of Electric of electric Sheep? That's right, yeah, by Philip K. Yeah, Dick. Philip K. Dick. I've got my copy. Classic. Sci-fi. I've got my copy coming in the mail right now. So anybody who's listening, if you want to jump on board, grab a copy, read along with us. I think what we're going to try to do is break the book into two parts. And then we're going to yeah. jump into Blade Runner 1982, which uh, is a, such a great film, one of my favorite films. And then it's just a staple of sci-fi. And then we're going to yeah. jump into the upcoming Blade Runner 2049, which looks actually really good. It's got a great director behind it, Denis Villeneuve. Yeah, I hope I hope. I hope like this it movie it like lives up to the hype and is actually really good because I was really happy that this didn't all of a sudden fall on its face and I hope that the same doesn't happen for that movie. Um, I did want to say a quick couple notes about the book. Um, it is not a direct um, predecessor. It's not like um, Blade Runner is an adaptation of of Philip K. Dick's novel. It is a like loose inspiration. So if you are just curious about the book. You can just listen. Like you don't have to read along to enjoy our book coverage. You could just like hear it, and it can help you to decide if that's something that you're curious about or that you do want to read. So don't feel like you need to listen. Don't feel like you need to go out and buy this Philip K. Dick novel to enjoy the enjoy those episodes. I don't think you do. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I I just like love that world and any kind any way that I can get any more out of it. Like the fact that we haven't re- I haven't read yeah. this novel. I'm really looking forward to. It. And you also haven't read the novel, right? haven't read it yes it'll be my first time i think it'll be a lot of fun um and i yeah i'm looking forward to it i'm sure i'll uh throw some announcements out on on social media so we'll 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 be shifting gears to a sci-fi to a new sci-fi project and uh yeah we hope to see you there we hope you come join us for the blade runner coverage so if you guys want to find any more of our material you can follow us on itunes we're ink to film and uh we also are on twitter at ink to film Facebook, Ink to Film is our page. You can come like us. Yes, yeah, so, um, Instagram, all that, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, make sure if you are enjoying this, subscribe so you can get every new episode as it comes out. Um, we'll do all of our, we'll do our new book. will be in the same feed. Um, and if you could leave us a review, that would be super helpful, and it can help this podcast continue to grow which we're putting everything we can into this thing and we wanted to get to get as many listeners as we can possibly get. And that would be your way to help us out, which we would really appreciate. And so what we're looking for with, uh, with our social media is if you have any sort of feedback, comments, concerns, anything you want to say, shoot it to us at ink to film on Twitter, come to our page on Facebook, send us a message, like our page, or we also have ink to film at gmail.com where you can send us an email. Yeah. So email is great. Uh, if you, 
At this point, if you're listening to this episode, we've recorded all of our IT coverage, so we won't be able to talk about your feedback on air, but either we'll respond to it um, via email, or if you want to send us anything about our upcoming project, if you want to talk about the movie Blade Runner, whether it's the 1982 version or the novel um, by Philip K. Dick, get that in in advance and we can talk about it on the upcoming episodes. But yeah, I'm, we want to thank you for coming along this journey with us, um, especially those of you who've listened to every single episode of our IT coverage. Uh, like, you're the best. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you guys. Uh, this was our first project, and we it's it's done. It's in the books, and there's just more and more to come. Yeah, I'm excited about it. All right. Uh, we look forward to talking to you guys soon. I'm Luke. And I'm James. All right. See you later. Thanks, guys. Bye.